Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. A new study shows that today's youngest generation is experiencing what's being called a friendship recession, and the results are sobering. What's going on? Let's talk about it on today's show. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. Pastors, you play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation. You can join the academic outreach mission by clicking the Start an Academy tab at cvcu.us to get your church-based K-12 campus running in just four weeks anywhere in the U.S. Parents, we have on-campus homeschool support for you from preschool to high school, and your teens can earn a bachelor degree debt-free in political science, engineering, pre-medicine, psychology, education, business, computer science, communication, and much more. Classes start soon, and you can and apply at cvcu.us. That's cvcu.us, Chula Vista Christian University. When I was 19 years old, I boarded a plane from Miami, Florida to London, England, and on the flight, I penned these words in my journal. I will never fall in love again. There were a series of relational wounds and abandonments. I had allowed a proverbial layer of ice to settle around my teenage heart. But little did I know that the God who ordained every day of my life had prepared for me to meet a young man on that very first day of the trip, a man who would melt that icy crust off my heart and become my husband, mullet and all. It was the 80s after all. Now, many of you know my story growing up without a mom in the Midwest in the 1970s, which meant I didn't have someone to cook for me or comfort me or show me how to put on eyeliner. It meant being home alone and longing for that maternal connection. And for many years, it meant that I felt like something was inherently wrong with me, like I was defective or broken in some way. My neighbor, Mrs. Belier, looked out through her window and she saw two young girls living in a home without a mom, often without food, without adult supervision. And it would have been a lot easier for her to look the other way, to pretend like she didn't see our distress, but she didn't. She marched over to her house. She blazed through the front door. She opened up our kitchen cabinets and she would say, there's no food here, girls. Come over to my house and eat dinner and I'll show you what a real family looks like. And for four years, over and over, she reached out to me in simple, practical ways. And one day she sent me to a church camp with her daughter where I gave my heart to the Lord. My parents went on to marry and divorce seven different people leaving behind a trail of brokenness. And I know I could have ended up in juvenile hall or as a teen mom or a suicide statistic, but instead, because of the courage and compassion of my next door neighbor, I became a Christian. Let's talk about why we close ourselves off to others. Maybe you relate to that story. Maybe you've been wounded and lost trust. Maybe you know, sometimes we feel like we know better than others, or maybe we've been raised to think of ourselves as overly self-sufficient, as fiercely independent rather than interdependent. 
Dr. Henry Morris once called this spiritual cardiosclerosis, an intentional hardening of the heart. But whatever the reason, God has set before us the choice of life or death, blessing or cursing in our interpersonal relationships. And it all comes from this source, the power of the tongue. I love the words that Paul spoke to the church in Corinth. He said, we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. We've opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, open wide your hearts also. The triune relational God who created us is a personal, connective God. He calls us into relationship with him and with one another. The foundation, the pavement of this pathway is communication. So let's talk about today some ways that you can enhance your interpersonal and your intrapersonal skills with a new focus on communication. Have you ever looked at a picture of the light spectrum? If you haven't, be sure to look it up. It's a powerful reminder that God's character, his invisible qualities that are expressed in Romans 1.20 are evidenced in the created realm. We don't see the whole picture as humans. We only see this tiny fragment, but we see God's design as we look at the human body and brain under the microscope. Let's talk a little bit about the brain's design. We know that the the brain is wired for connection. UCLA neuroscientist Dr. Dan Siegel, I've talked about him on the show before, says that we're genetically hardwired to take in signals from our external environment to alter our internal states. And we know that social support is tremendously beneficial physically, psychologically, includes a lower heart rate, blood pressure, low cortisol levels, fewer incidences of disease. The Journal of Psychiatry even reports a longer lifespan with social relationships. And we know that uh, just looking at the the bonding hormone, even the, the tiny but mighty neuropeptide oxytocin, that recognition, trust, anxiety, stress, those are all linked to oxytocin levels. Low oxytocin levels have been linked to depression, schizophrenia, autism. And there are tremendous studies from Dr. Paul Zak, Claremont University. He's one of the leading researchers in the field. And he's studied this moral molecule all over the world in different types of situations. He believes that oxytocin fosters pro-social behaviors like trust, stronger relationships, generosity. In fact, one of his studies showed that countries that are more trusting with one another also experience greater economic prosperity. And so looking at these findings um, of, of the benefits of relationship should give us pause for reflection when we hear studies like the one I mentioned at the top of the show, which we're going to break down in just a moment. I've looked at these effects of relationships and that bonding hormone in the classroom. I looked at a, a pilot study with 150 students and we analyzed relational connectedness and its impact on academic performance. We used tools that Dr. Zach and Dr. Aker recommend storytelling, gratitude journaling, family accountability. And in analyzing that data, we found that students' socioacademic success rates were closely tied to community and family connectivity. So let's look at some steps that we can take to ensure that we're creating healthy communication climates. First, let's let's talk about connecting to our past. For, for years, Harvard University's Family Involved Network of Educators, which is now called the Global Family Research Project, has been studying the impact of family connectivity on academic success. And you know, all of you know, my my focus on the homeschooling methodology is closely linked to many of these studies. We see the greatest rates of socio-emotional and academic success in involved parenting. Family is our first attachment. It's our secure base. And overwhelmingly, the studies have shown that 
That number one contributor to student success from kindergarten to college is an involved parent. Now, we live in an anti-family culture. Many schools scorn the support of family. They, the, the parents' rights are cut off. They end at the front door. Maybe you remember the college, uh, the Chicago uh, school that banned families from packing their own children's lunches, um, or the college dean who wasn't allowed to talk to parents of a troubled student who ended up committing suicide. This anti-family and anti-faith culture that's so prevalent in government school systems. But connecting to our family actually increases our sense of trust and our resilience. A healthy family bond helps us deregulate stress. It helps us strengthen socio-emotional as well as academic health. And we looked at, in a connective data study, we looked at two educational institutions and students who self-reported as being strong in family, 80% of those earned A's in their classes. Of the students who self-reported as being weak in family connectivity, 75% of those earned a withdrawal, a D or an F. Now, obviously, correlation doesn't always indicate causation as the study goes, but I think those, those indicators are pretty significant. Family is intended to be a blessing and a sense of strength and support, but the larger culture, especially the public school and environment and even the church environment often encourages segregation rather than support in this regard. And at the very least, our internal policies and procedures should default toward rather than against family support. If your family ties are healthy, create open communication environments. Give your family the opportunity to support and encourage you in what you're doing and give them the honest open door to know what challenges you're facing. If you're unable to gain support or emotional connection from your family like I was, I want to encourage you to make peace with your past. Develop what we call a coherent narrative and make sense of what the sovereign God has allowed to happen in your life and how he uses all things, all things for his good and for his glory. As Ephesians 4.32 reminds us, we are to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We want to keep our hearts soft. Dr. Susan Forward says that we're, quote, all forged in a crucible called family. And this has long lasting impacts on our beliefs and our behavior. If you cringe when I said parental involvement, I want to encourage you, search your heart for signs of spiritual cardiosclerosis. And if you find yourself gravitating toward destructive relationships or you're paralyzed by perfectionism or engaged in constant criticism, these can also be clues to an unresolved past issue. You can't control the past, but you can make peace with it. Talk to the Lord about rebuilding some of your foundations for you so you can see your life through a new lens, through his lens. Think for a moment about your communication environments and your past attachments. Are they healthy? Are they supportive? What steps can you take right now that will help you strengthen those communication climates? After we fix those foundations of the past, we need to assess our present communication climates with a goal of connecting authentically with those in our realm of current influence. I talked about Dr. Zach's work, uh, the leading researcher in the field of oxytocin, and he's found that connective storytelling impacts oxytocin production, which enhances trust and community mindedness. 
Harvard professor Dr. Sean Aker has shown that gratitude journaling, peer-to-peer praise, and intentional encouragement also foster connectivity, which makes for happier work, reduced stress, greater productivity, and increased empathy. In our classrooms at CVCU, we build on this student-to-student interaction piece because, as you may recall, our professors are guides on the side, not a sage on the stage, and we create these Socratic circles that really do induce greater relationships, and we we create that margin. It's so, so important to create that margin. In the classroom, I've, I've looked at the rise of connection through the use of storytelling and dialogue circles, personal narratives, what I call positive posting, where students make um, posts or public statements, public shout outs about one another. The opposite of gossip is a public shout out. And in classrooms that have used that storytelling methodology, students report greater levels of connectivity and trust. And where there have been personal narratives in class, students report greater engagement with peers and the subject matter. This is applicable not just in the classroom, but also in our everyday lives. And one one classroom example that's, I think, always amusing is that uh, there's one particular class that most students have tended to fear across all the institutions that I've taught for across 25 years, and that's public speaking. And I, I've, I've studied this bond in public speaking um, because of the great level of fear. Students have a deeper bond. And I think that's a powerful reminder to us as Christians as a, in a time of national turmoil, the, the harvest really is ripe. Philemon 7 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Wow, what a great word. What a great accolade to refresh the hearts of the saints. One practical application for that is simply being in the present moment with others, encouraging them, refreshing their hearts. Um, another application is looking for ways to warm the climate, even for lives with whom we intersect, our lives intersect even just momentarily. I know as a textbook introvert, I often find it anxiety producing to talk to strangers. So I challenge myself to pay a sincere compliment to at least one stranger every day. It's a great way to strengthen your um, <laughs> your outreach skills and really to enhance the well-being of another person. Person. That gratitude posting idea, the narrative storytelling, you can make these actions part of your daily life, your regular peer narratives, your interactions, your first email of the day or your first social media post of the day, make it an encouraging word and look for ways to sincerely compliment and encourage others. I mean, what if what if we turned our social media posts into opportunities, not for unwholesome talk, like Ephesians 4.29 says, for, but for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who live listen. And finally, in addition to our past and present, we want to build effective communication climates for our future. At Chula Vista Christian University, we focus on creating margin for relationships, not just in the walls of the college, but in the outside world. You know, I've taught for colleges where students were afraid to graduate because they hadn't built those networks outside. They lived in a college bubble, and I didn't want to see that happen at CVCU because when graduation day comes, I want students to have a connection to the larger community to make that transition from the world of college to the world of work. 
And all across America today, we're seeing this this trend toward isolationism, the one that I alluded to at the beginning of our show. And it's it's not a new social disease, but it has definitely been exacerbated by counterfeit mechanisms that make us feel connected temporarily, but which are ultimately poor substitutes for the real thing. And the real thing is face-to-face relationship. We live in this together but alone culture, this culture George Gallup said it was um, in the midst of increasingly overcrowded cities and frantic personal schedules. Americans are among the lonely pe- loneliest people in the world. And this new study that I was talking about where people, especially 18 to 24s, are facing what's been termed a friendship recession. This is sobering. The American Perspective Survey found a fourfold increase from 1990 to today in those who said they had no friends, no social circle. Sapiens Lab studied 407,000 adults from 64 countries and saw similar results across the globe, and what they called a nosedive of the social self. And they said that 20% of 18 to 34 it's 18 to 34-year-olds reported having no friends, and that number had tripled since 2012. Now, what's interesting about the study is that the age group that did not appear to be affected was over 75s, which points us to a generational issue. And it reminds us that if you're a grandparent listening in, there's a younger generation that needs you. There's an unhealthy focus on the me, on me time. You hear that term all the time, but me time in the younger generations. And, you know, we've talked before on the show that 65% of social time for Gen Zs is spent on a screen. So we probably should have seen this coming, right? We've talked about it before. Social relationships are vital for emotional, mental, even physical health. Meta-analyses have shown that having friends is the physiological health equivalent of quitting smoking. So there are many people in our culture who are sadly withering away from spiritual and relational malnourishment. And Scott Scott Cook once said that the survivability of a nation depends on the collective effort of its citizens. It's up to us to do something. One of the ways that we can do something is through civic engagement. Civic engagement has been shown to counter negative moods like depression, anxiety, decrease heart disease, increase lifespan, life satisfaction. A University of Texas Austin study showed that state volunteer rates are strongly connected with the physical health of the state's population. States with a higher volunteer rate have high, have lower rates of mortality and heart disease, and states with a lower volunteer rate have more health problems overall. Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating volunteerism, getting engaged, not sitting around and, quote, enjoying me time. Harvest uh, University's Thomas Sander put it this put it this way. He said, civic engagement is the new hybrid health club for the 21st century. It miraculously improves both your health and the communities through the work performed and the social ties built. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous man will himself be blessed. So some practical applications. I want to encourage you, embrace intergenerational mentorship. If your realm of influence extends only to those within 24 months of your age, reach out. C.S. Lewis once said, get outside of your generational lens. And he was talking about reading, but the, the idea of reaching out and being influenced by someone who has a different perspective from you, someone older than you who's traveled the road that you're you're treading right now, that's incredibly valuable. Reach out to someone 
ahead of you with one hand and someone behind you in the lifespan with another and begin to crush that generational gap that's divided so many Christian entities. Plug into a local church. I cannot stress enough the importance of volunteering in your local church, making that connection with your community, not only for your own good, but for the sake of the gospel. I know there's no perfect church, okay? If you're looking for it, it doesn't exist. Find a church, get plugged in and grow. And obviously people are ignoring this advice. You know, Early and Wheeler, if you've read their work, they say there are 200 million unchurched people in the U.S. It's literally one of the largest missions mission fields in the world. The missing demographic today in the local churches, millennials and Gen Zs, we obviously see a sobering lack of involvement with the bride of Christ and the youngest generations. Dr. Martin Luther King said that we're all going to have to decide whether we will walk in the light of creative altruism or in the darkness of destructive selfishness. Life's most persistent and nagging question, he said, is what are you doing for others? And yet, when we look at this friendship recession, we see one of the core elements, one of the root causes is this focus on selfishness of me time. So break yourself out of that. If you're one of those 20% of 18 to 24s or 18 to 39s who say you don't have any friends, break yourself out of that. The quote boundaries that have been set around your life may need to be extended. They may need to be pushed out a little bit so that you can make room for healthy relationship in your lives. As as Christian communicators, we can't just soak up information. We can't just huddle in our own bubble. We have to impact the world with the voice God has given us. Knowledge puffs up but love builds up. First Peter 4.10 says that each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Are you honing and shaping that gift that God has deposited within you? And are you using it to impact your generation and the generations on either side of you? So what do we do from here? We need a communication climate change in our past, our present, and our future. As a fair exchange, Paul said, we need to open wide our hearts. So instead of living in those closed off communication climates, let's make peace with our past. Let's live fully in our present and let's begin building a healthy future foundation so that we can live most effectively and impact our planet for his kingdom. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget to check out my latest book, Outsourced, or catch up on past episodes of the show on the Communication Architect podcast. And be sure to visit cvcu.us for homeschool support, college degree programs, or the Start an Academy program. Classes start soon. You can learn more at cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. Thanks again for joining us on today's show. We'll be back next week with more practical advice that will help you reflect and connect to the world around you. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.